Okay, gentlemen, in today's episode, I've got for you Mikhail, wildly famous podcast host and expert on setting up and running a business overseas. Now, me and Mikhail, well, we go way back, and today we're going to get into dropping out of school at 12, dyslexia, being a libertarian male in the game today, and how he currently operates his business out of Panama with a team that's fully remote, and basically they work while he fucking sleeps, which is amazing. So, if you ever thought about the best way to run a business from anywhere in the world, you are going to love this. That said, what he says about outsourced work from overseas, it might fucking shock you. Let's get to this. There are a ton of men doing podcasts about business. Or at least they claim to be men. It's time to take off the panties. And let's get real. <laughs> this is the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. If you have a sweet spot for big business horseshit, or if you're a sucker for bland, boring, politically correct podcasts, you can go ahead and turn this off right now. If you're a man at the helm of your own business, we want to inspire you to make more, provide more, provide more, and be more without having to sacrifice it all. You'll get everything from ethically gray tactics to dealing with dickhead customers and all the carnage in between. Let's do it. Welcome to the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. Fuck me. I'm so excited. You've got a really, really interesting backstory. So I'll let you take over and jump in. Sure, brother. So basically what happened was when I was a child, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. They took me out of class and they sat me down in a little room and they said, Michael, something doesn't work quite right in your brain. Do we want to send you to a special school? So that's what they did. Every day for three years, I got on a little wow. white bus across town and I went to this quote unquote special school. Now, the only problem, Charlie, was it actually was not a special school. It was a regular school with a special class. So you can probably imagine what happened. I got in heaps of fights. I got picked on. I got bullied. Now, this is no, I'm a victim, you know, delicate flower, mm. poor me. To be honest with you, I got hit. I hit back twice as hard every time I could. Like, I would never, ever claim otherwise, like, and side note, it's dyslexia, which we now know in this day and age is really not a big deal. Certainly yeah. not one to yank the kid out of school and, and have that type of experience. Anyways, after three years of going to this special school and having not a lot of fun at school, I got to go back to my neighborhood one. And I thought, wow, this is going to be so amazing. All my friends will have missed me. And then you can kind of imagine day one, I go back to school and all the kids start gossiping and whispering and oh, I know Mikkel, he went to some retard school and I decided to stop going. And then, of course, when I stopped going, I start failing and they put me in summer school and I would fail that. And um, long story short, I stopped going to school when I was 12 years old. Wow. But I officially dropped out when I was 15. And I started traveling internationally as a teenager, not shortly after that. And that's what I've done for 22, almost 23 years straight now. I have been traveling. I've been exploring the globe. And I don't mean I did a, you know, a one-week holiday here, and then I went <laughs> down to Tenerife, and I spent some time on the beach. No, like I've lived in nine different wow. countries. I've visited 110 countries, and I built my business around this, my personal life. It's my hobby. And 
Yeah, man, that's a little bit about me and oh, how I got into this stuff. Mikhail, so. that's crazy. I had no idea about the background in school. And what sort of response did you get from friends and family when you're like, fuck it, I'm off? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a two-step process. Now it's very easy to look back and be like, I had everything figured out and I really <laughs> knew what I was doing. But that would be a complete lie. I was a stupid, dumb, angry kid, you know, yeah. who was pissed off because he was told that his brain doesn't work right. And my father had always told me when I was growing up that traveling was the best thing he ever did with his life. Mm. He had backpack when he was 20 something around Europe and just had a great time and would always show me pictures every year and told me it was the best thing he ever did with his life. And I'm always thought to myself, like, if it's the best thing, how come you only did one trip and you never yeah. did any more of it? You know, it didn't make sense to me. If you love it so much and it's so amazing, then like, why don't you go out there and do more of it? Anyways, I, I did my first trip as a teenager. I did Ireland, England, and Wales. Wow. And for three weeks, and I was like, this is amazing. My dad was completely right. And then my next trip, I think I was 19 years old, and I went through Western Europe and for about four, four months, and then I went to North Africa, and I spent two months in Morocco. So I was pretty fearless as a teenager and, and didn't kind of let anybody tell me what I could and could not do. And yeah. It was fun. It still is fun. What I really like about that story, Mikel, is there's, there's a thousand other people that might have been in that same situation and the amount of people that might sit there and be like, you know what? Yeah, it would be cool to go and travel. And they come up with 101 different reasons as to why that's not possible, why they can't do that. And not only have you then been like, fuck it, I can do it. But then you continue to do it and keep going, which is brilliant. So how old are you when you're like, this is something that I need to be doing full time? Do you think that pivot point was for you? Yeah, so pretty pretty close to the beginning of the traveling, mm. probably by about 19, I knew I was going to dedicate my life to this. And, you know, I was telling people I will go to every country on planet Earth. And people laughed at me like they thought this is a completely crazy idea. But, you know, 20 some odd years in now and 110 countries, I'm going strong. That's really cool. And what's really cool about that is that you're doing that while you're operating, running the business as well. I know from a remote work standpoint, it's something you've been a huge advocate of for a long time. And I guess you were doing remote work before everyone was like, oh, this remote work thing, kind of fucking cool this. So talk me through, Mikhail, when did that entrepreneurial journey start for you? Yeah. When I first started traveling, I was doing whatever random odd job mm. I could get. I was working in hospitality and just gathering money. At some point, I started reading about finance, the stock market and investing and things like this, equities. And I found derivatives, options trading. And I just thought this is the coolest thing ever. And I totally went down the rabbit hole and got really into options for well over seven years and did well at it. Like made a lot of money and lost a lot of money. I mean, it's just kind of, <laughs> part, of part of the name of the game. At some point, I decided I wanted to try entrepreneurship. And I had a couple of shitty failed businesses. I was what big was... into fitness, so I tried a oh. bunch of fitness stuff. The whole thing blew up, but it was Fuck. a good learning experience. Yeah. But, you know, just starting to build a little bit of those skills. But uh, probably about seven years ago, I sat down and I was like, okay, I want to try something else. I have this love for finance and I have built my life around being an expat and traveling around the world. So I mashed the two together and I called it expat money. I know, super, super creative, <laughs> but that's what I did. I, I started a podcast. It's called the Expat Money Show. We've been going six years now, 200 some odd episodes. Jim Rogers has been on, Grant Cardone, lots of big names and lots of other names you probably wouldn't hear. And I built an entire business around this to help people to move overseas. So as I had been traveling around the world and as I've 
a very outspoken libertarian, you know, I learned legal ways that I could reduce my taxation. So I like to say that I work in the practical side of libertarianism. So, you know, let, if you let just that... let me just stop you there, Mikhail. Now word libertarianism. I think there's a load of misunderstanding around that term. And as you were explaining it to me the first time, I'm like, fuck, man, I'm right on board with this. So talk me through what your definition of that libertarian is in Mikhail. And... Sure, sure. I think that, I mean, if you really want to get into libertarianism, there's a thousand and one books and podcasts and everything like that. But in a nutshell, there's a few things that libertarians agree on. So one of the main things is called the non-aggression principle. Do not encroach on others. Don't hurt people. Don't steal their stuff and do all that you will say you will do. So do not encroach on other people or their property and do all that you say you will do. So don't lie, steal, cheat, murder, rape, hurt, hurt people, drop bombs on people or something like this. So libertarians believe this law, the non-aggression principle applies to everybody. It applies to individuals. It applies to companies and corporations, mm -hmm. and it applies to governments. Governments seem to think that they are above natural law because that's what this is. And if you want to test this hypothesis, go out there one day and break it as many times as you possibly can. So lie, steal, cheat, hurt people, and then see what happens to yourself at the end of the day. Is your life better or is it worse? Yeah. Now, the sister to the non-aggression principle is personal responsibility. And this is something that I believe in through and through. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to believe this or you nah. will never go anywhere. If something happens, it's your fucking fault. <laughs> Don't push it off on someone else. You know, oh, my dog ate my homework or I'm late because of this. You're in control of your own destiny. As long as you follow the non-aggression principle, you can do whatever you want and should be able to do whatever you want. But you have to take responsibility for yourself. Now, libertarianism for me, I say libertarian with a small L. And I say this because there is the Libertarian Party, capital L, in the United States. And that is a political organization. What I am talking about is not political whatsoever. This is ethics. This is morals. This is my North Star. This is how I build my business, my life, how I treat my wife, how I raise my children, how I interact with people. No, the policy is don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. <laughs> And do what do what you say you were going to do. If you make a promise, then keep it. You make a contract, then follow through and take responsibility for yourself. And it really, really, really is, Charlie, that simple. That's fucking awesome, man. And when you hear it like that, you're like, fuck me. Like, surely that's... To me, it seems like why wouldn't everyone operate by those principles? Do you know what I mean? There's so many people... I believe that go through life or go through this game or go through business and they don't have that guiding star and they fucking flip from one thing to another thing and then they wonder why shit hasn't gone the way that they want and it's like if you've got that direction if you've got a core moral code that you stand by everyone sees that your decisions the way that you interact with people they're like okay this this guy's gonna stop yeah 100 percent. Yeah. well because okay so there's a couple of things there so most people are raised in public education. I told my story about being raised in public education. Public education has nothing to do with morals or ethics. Public education is to train you to work at a factory and to be complacent and do as you're told, to follow orders. Now, as entrepreneurs, we're outside of that box. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, most entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they're like, completely unemployable Good. anywhere else you know we're a bunch of nutcases running around trying to do different things and we got shiny object syndrome and we can't sit still so public education is not going to teach you morals and ethics i'm not very religious but traditionally the church was supposed to be there sure. for teaching these types of things but we've seen that a massive decline in the church and things like that so and then if your parents don't know about it then like 
where are you going to get it from? You're not getting it from mainstream media. Yeah. You're not getting it from Hollywood. Like, forget about that. Talk about about a bunch of corrupt, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like like government, Hollywood, mainstream media. I mean, there's just there's nowhere. So if you don't actively go out there and research these things, then there's not a lot of options for you. So you got to take responsibility and start learning about these things yourself. And, and I started learning about this really when I was about 16 years old and did very deep study on it. And really the last 10 years have dedicated my life to really living this way. And my income has gone up. My business has increased. My family life is fantastic. I am very blessed. I have a beautiful wife and two gorgeous children. And you know, and I'm teaching them all about these types of things. That's really cool. And there's probably a lot of people listening to this operating their own business. And they're sat there thinking, fuck, you know what, for me to be able to run business overseas or to start exploring the possibilities around that, what's your thoughts on that? What do you believe the benefits are? Give the listeners an, an overview of what is possible and uh, what can be done from your experience. Yeah, I mean, just very quickly on the tax side, most Western countries function in a very similar manner. So if you leave the country and you break your, your ties and you create a new tax home somewhere else, most places outside of the United States, you will not have any filing requirements or tax requirements to your home country. There's about 42 or 43 countries in the world which either follow a territorial tax system or have zero taxation, or we call them a nearshore jurisdiction. So it's drastically reduced taxation. So whatever you're paying in the UK right now, if you could take that and you know reduce it by all of it and take yourself to 0% tax, that's usually pretty attractive as a business owner. And what this allows you to do is plow a ridiculous amount of money back into your business and grow it really, really fast. And you know, I'd rather do it on the beach than in London. Like I live down here in Central America. So I'm in Panama City, Panama. And, you know, it's sunshine most days of the year. Even in the rainy season, it's still sunny and you get lots of nice natural vitamin D and we yeah. eat organic food every day. Um, higher standard of living, lower cost of living, getting back to nature. Okay, gentlemen. So quick side note. Look, with what we got going on here, I've been forging self-made men in fast since 2015. So obviously what we do here and within my groups, well, it just fucking works. Needless to say, because of that, we're pretty much locked out most of the year and with a waiting list. However, good news for you today, right now, well, I'm temporarily opening up a couple more spots inside of one of my groups, the Alliance. Meaning today, this, my friend, is your opportunity to take a seat around the table. So... If you want to come and join this brotherhood of smart, ambitious men who can sleep safe at night knowing that they are prepared to punch each and every single day square in the fucking face, no matter the tornado of shit, then my friend, your next step is simple. Head to applyforyourseat.com and submit your urgent application right now. Um, in, in terms of workforce, you've got a lot of remote workers. You're a big believer in, in outsourcing and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm a huge believer in keeping things lean, minimizing employees, maximizing systems and, and putting that stuff um, in place. So it'd be cool to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you and I have a mutual friend and I think we discussed it when we were in person in Italy together not long ago. For me, automation is really anything that you don't have to do yourself. Sure. So if you have systems and software to do it, amazing. But also if you have a virtual assistant who does it for you and you don't have to do it, then that's also automation. So I've got 17 staff. Like I figured out very uh, early that my, my core competencies are writing and speaking. 
These are the things that I'm very good at that I can be paid the most amount of money for. So I kind of focus just on those two things. You know, I write emails, I write blog posts and I talk on Zoom and I do interviews like your awesome new show, you know, and that's it. You know, like I have managers, I've got an office manager, I've got a project manager, I got a podcast manager, I got a social media manager, they manage their own teams. I do a Monday morning meeting every, well, every Monday for 60 minutes. I get the breakdown. I get my weekly reports on Friday. I go through that on the weekend. And then Monday morning meeting, we go through everything. Who needs help? What's going on this week, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm six hours a day on Zoom, either talking to clients or doing calls or interviews or that's it. Like, that's my business. That's really interesting, Mikel. It's fucking golden shower, really, of insight in terms of, I suppose, figuring out what you're good at. And when you know what you're good at, why the fuck would you bother wasting your time doing anything else? I can get someone else to do the other stuff that I can't do, and I can focus on doing the things that I do really, really well. So in, in terms of the 17 staff there, how have you put that together? Pretty much everyone is remote, you know, in four or five different countries. Yeah. And I do like asymmetrical work type of Plan. So besides a couple of my managers, everybody works on their own time zone, whatever they want to work. If they get inspired at two o'clock in the morning and they want to work, great. I just do task-based. This is what needs to be done. This is the projects for the week. You've agreed to work 40 hours a week. Get it done. I don't care. Also, side note, I only hire other libertarians. I made this decision a few years ago. So I hire people who are morally and ethically aligned. You know what? Life's too short to spend time with people you don't agree with or don't want to oh, totally work agree. with. Or... So everybody who works with me is a libertarian and it makes things really smooth because they all understand personal responsibility. Yeah. So when I give them the responsibility, they're like, holy crap, I've never had this before in my life. And if they can't hack it, if they can't make their own schedule or get the stuff done, then they're out of there. I feel we're going to have a problem on the back of this interview, Mikhail. And here's going to be the big problem. Everyone's going to listen to that and be like, fucking hell, I need libertarians as members of staff because they take <laughs> responsibility <laughs> for their shit and they understand when stuff doesn't go the way it needs to go. It's their responsibility. Yeah, the the price convers- of libertarian staff is going to raise, you know, with one interview. The <laughs> amount of conversations we have inside of our groups, which is like, fucking hell, what's going on with the general public or employees can't take responsibility for their shit. I think people are going to be listening to this and be like, I think Mikel's, he's cracked the code. What I thought was brilliant actually that you said there was the concept of, of people in different time zones as well. I used to have an agency business, that was going back maybe 10, 12 years ago. We at the time, we had a lot of outsourced stuff that was based in India. And for me, the ability to be having conversations in the UK about projects, and then when we go to bed here, have a team that's still working on those projects through the night, so that could be delivered to the client the next day, was phenomenal. And it's sort of like an age and a time where there wasn't really, let's call it international workforces we were so far ahead of everywhere else and i think that gets forgotten a lot of the time and people forget that by having people in different time zones you can go to bed and wake up the next morning and shit's magically fucking done there's no delay there's no one coming in the office at nine o'clock the next morning and then starting on the task it's literally it's happening right now and immediately well okay let me add to that because that is a very good point i don't have 500 emails back and forth with my staff because if they're on a different time zone, they know that there's not going to be a response for eight or 10 hours. So they have to solve their own problems. So it's like, instead of like nitpicking, like, oh, well, what about this? Well, what about this? What about this? It's like, they have to make a decision. And if it's the wrong decision, then we deal with it. But most times they figure it out. It might be not be exactly how you would have done it yourself, but the amount of time you save on this and interrupting your day all day long, it's 
it's way better. That's that that's huge, isn't it? And I think especially now with the way that communication works and from conversations that we have behind the closed doors here with our groups of people going fucking hell employees seem to have forgotten how to do shit for themselves to think for themselves we this will make you smile we had one of the guys reporting inside of the group that they turned up for work on monday morning expecting a full team in there the phone rings at five past nine and it's a woman on the end of the phone and she's like uh, she's like alex i'm the mum of let's say jeremy and jeremy's not going to be coming into work today because he doesn't feel too well he's a little bit poorly and i'm like fucking hell we're in a state now where people are getting their mums to ring in sick for them like that's that's where this responsibility is. This goes is. back to our conversation about public education. It's seriously. It's you fucked know, up. Yeah. Well, our friend, someone that both you and I respect a, a lot, Dan Kennedy, says yeah. they're looking for somewhere else to plug in their umbilical cord. And I mean, 100%. that's they walk around the streets and that's what they're trying to figure out, you know, and it's just unbelievable. So It's crazy. Quickly on the remote working side of things, especially on the email communication back and forth with 17 and people dotted over different time zones. How do you manage that internal communication? How do you manage projects? How do you have that set up? How do you make sure that stuff does get done? Yeah, so... We have three different systems. We use email, traditional email for larger things, especially if I just want to get something out, but I don't want someone to respond to me very quickly or like I don't want to hear back from them. Then we have Telegram. So we've got a secure channel on Telegram and, you know, it's not too active. People like if they start bantering back and forth and telling jokes or sh sending memes, one of the managers will get in there and be like, okay, enough. <laughs> yeah. we don't know it need Mikel to go through, you know, 63 messages when he wakes up in the morning or something like that. And then we use Trello for a project board. And I just, I just send my project manager, all of my crazy ideas yeah. via whatever is easiest for me. So I'll email him or telegram him at one o'clock in the morning when I have some crazy idea. And then he has the fun job of figuring out how to make it a reality and, put it in Trello and then write manuals for it. He writes all the business manuals for the team, for the organization. And that system has worked very well for me. That's cool. What I really liked about what you said there, Mikel, the word that I've got printed across my chest here, that phrase, one man empire. I think a lot of people see that term as meaning the business with just one person in. And I think a lot of the time that is true. The flip side of that, it's actually, it's about doing what you talked about there. And it's being like, actually, I'm the man at the helm of the business and I am operating that empire. Now that doesn't mean I'm doing everything. I'm making the entrepreneurial decisions. I've got the vision, I've got the drive. And that also gives me the power then to have other people to deploy or to deliver on what that vision and what that drive is. And that's where that real scale and that real growth gets into. And I imagine that's probably how you've done the growth that you've done over the last seven years, which has been fucking phenomenal. It's really cool, really inspiring. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Definitely. Because yeah, you have to take responsibility for these types of things and take ownership of it. I mean, I manage my managers, but I trust them to do their own job. If there's a big problem, then I will step in. I mean, I sign all the checks. There's some excellent software out there for watching what people are doing. So I mostly do hourly wages and then I'll go in once a week and I'll see their mouse clicks and their, the typing and screenshots of their screen. So if they're screwing around or they're on Twitter or something like that, you know, I, I'll catch them. And in most cases, it's like a, a one warning. And I tell them right from the first day of hiring, like, I'm an asshole and I will check everything. I will be watching everything you do. There's going to be eyes on you. And maybe I shouldn't reveal all my secrets in case any of my employees are watching here. But I probably don't watch as much as I let on that I watch. But I do want to put a bit of fear of God into them.
I love that honesty. And I think in, a, in an age where everyone is being told that they need to bend over backwards, the, the customer was always right. Employees yeah, are always right. I'm like, always wrong. fuck I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that never has a stupider phrase been muttered. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, that and give value. Value is like, well, you have to understand that people only respect things that they pay for. Okay. I do a lot of free stuff out there. I have a very popular podcast and a blog and a newsletter. So you might look at this and go, you know, what is he talking about? But to talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, to have any type of consultations with me, I charge five figures to get on the phone to discuss any of these things. So I don't think that you need to do things like give everything away for free or give away your time or let you know, let people push you around. Actually, they don't respect you afterwards anyways. So you have to be a little bit strict with them and set the guidelines and the rules. This goes for employees, for clients, for customers, for everything like that. And I think that it's actually better for them. It's better for us. And, uh, yeah, it just, after many years of doing this, that's what I've seen. It's interesting. I shot a video literally two days ago and it was going along the same thing. Fuck value. The value comes in the deliverable. The value is in what you deliver to the client to help them solve their problems. And Mikhail, you talk about ruthlessly controlling employees and customers and clients. I'm a big believer in sacking customers. If they dick me around, if someone is taking the piss, you're gone. I don't care how long you've been here. I've got to get rid. When was the last time you sacked a client or a customer? Because I'm sure you've been just as ruthless over the years as I have. Yeah, I had to do it a couple of months ago again. I had a client who came to me and, you know, one of these tax strategies and a whole bunch of different things. And I said, okay, we can work through all of that when you engage my services. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like, okay, we can work through all of this when you engage my services. So finally engages me, pays me my fee. We go through it. We spend about a month together going back and forth, a few calls and things like that. And him and his wife don't like the answers that they get. They want to do something and it's literally not legal. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, like, like, I'm not going to help you with tax fraud. Like that's just, yeah. that's not on the cards. Like. I don't care how much money you pay me. And so then he wanted all of his money back because he didn't get the answers that he wanted. And we ended up settling in the end. But uh, yeah, sometimes people are absolutely ridiculous. We parted ways on amicable terms. But yeah, I felt a giant relief of stress when I had gotten rid of this client because it was just a, just a not a good situation to be in whatsoever. Isn't it amazing? I mentioned Dan Kennedy earlier. He has the phrase, which I've coined a couple of times, that said, if I wake up thinking about you three mornings in a row and I'm not sleeping with you, then you've got yeah. to go. Yeah, definitely. And when that hole opens up, there are other people to fill the hole, fill the <laughs> yeah, gap. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. not like, it's not like there is a finite amount of clients or customers or money or anything like that. I understand that by not having those types of people around, actually it's gonna help grow the entire business because now I'm not stressed. I'm an asshole. Like I make people jump through so many hoops to work with me and you know, that's okay because the people that I normally get, they're amazing clients and they know what to expect and they know how things are going to work. It doesn't help anybody in the end bending over backwards and trying to work on everyone else's schedule and everything else. Like we said earlier, they don't respect you for it. They abuse it. And then they don't follow through with what they want anyways. And I, I don't know if you've had this, but when my prices were much lower and, and I would make recommendations for people, they would then go out there behind my back and like start shopping for other things on this and this and this. But when I started charging a lot more and saying like, okay, this is what needs to be done. This is the way it works. 
then they just do it. Then they get the results, which is this, that, that's what this is all about. You know, 100%. Like, like they need to get the results. So it's like, all right, I'm going to charge a good amount of money. Now, like it's just, things fall into place a lot easier. So I, I think it's, it's that commitment to be made. And I think what plays into that as well, Mikel, you, you, I know you've got a similar sort of process that we, we operate here is the, I will call it an application process, but the ability to become a client, the ability to become a customer, the ability to become a member, that isn't given. Just because you, you want to do it, just because you want to give me money, that doesn't mean that I'm going to accept that money and that doesn't mean that we're going to work together. And I think that goes against a lot of traditional thinking. Whether that comes out of the school system, it's like you should be grateful that if someone's willing to give you cash, you should accept it and you should bend over backwards. And again, I'm sure you've had the same thing. There is real power that comes from going, whoa, fucking hold on there. Buddy, before before we can have this conversation, I need you to go and watch this three-hour thing. I then need to go and fill out these sixty-four questions, and then I'm going to decide whether or not we are going to continue this relationship. Yeah. Charlie, you're not a beggar. Yeah. Neither <laughs> am I. I'm not a I'm not a panhandler. You know, like I mean, we can build our lives the way we want, and with that comes with choosing our clients and being very selective about yeah. these things. And once again. Maybe I sound like a complete asshole here, but you know, this is my life, man. This is the one life I have to live. I am absolutely going to be protective over my time and going to spend it with people that I genuinely, you know, want to be with and that can help and that are motivated to get things done. I want to work with people who get things done. Taking ownership of that and knowing that as the business owner, you're the one who's providing the value and you don't have to be out there being a beggar or or groveling or like a bootlicker, like asking for money and please, sir, please, sir. Yeah. Like, no, that's just, it's a terrible, terrible way to go about business. And I think the ironic thing is, I think as soon as that penny drops, as soon as you realize actually that you can control who your clients and your customers are, whether you're a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, and actually you start bringing those people on board and the people that start giving you money are people that you like or people that have shared interests. All of a sudden, all, all the friction fucking vanishes because you're having conversations with customers that you like having conversations with. It's like you're speaking to friends, you're having a good time, everything becomes fucking fun. And all, all of a sudden, the, this word work that gets gets used, I'm going to work, I'm, I'm doing work, it ain't fucking work anymore. It's it's fun. You're dealing with people you like dealing with. You're doing like you said. I understand what I'm good at. I like talking. I like speaking. And the whole game becomes so much simpler. And once the game becomes simpler, you want to do it more. And the more you want to do it, the more money you can make and the more potential you have. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once that mental switch is made in terms of you get to control the game, you get to determine who you work with, you get to determine what the fees are. And rather than that being a barrier to what you can do and what you can be, it actually becomes the facilitator to making more, providing more, being more, and everything that goes along with that whole thing. I think it's fucking amazing, man. I think it's great how you operate and right on track from one-man empire principle standpoint there. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. And if your people want to find out more about what I do, you can send them over to expatmoney.com. We're also doing a summit. It's a November 7th to 11th. It's an online summit. Tickets are free. Okay, that sounds amazing. So what was the URL? expatmoneysummit.com. The main website is expatmoney.com. And on expatmoney.com, you'll see the blog and webinars and how to get a hold of me, all of these types of things. And you can, yeah. Mikhail, you're a legend, my friend. Appreciate you. And don't forget to catch up with you soon. Holy fuck, gentlemen. What an absolute shower of insight there from Mikhail. I'll tell you what, right now what I'm going to be doing is I'm going straight online. I'm going to search for as many 
libertarian outsource workers that I can find because they sound like the people that I need here and inside of my businesses. Other than that, my friends, lots there to consider, especially if you want to avoid paying tax and especially if you want to live in a place which has got some sunshine while the business still fucking works, keeps producing money and does some really good stuff. I've been Charlie Hutton. You've been listening to Mikel and I will catch you guys on the next episode. Listening to the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton. Congratulations. You made it to the end without becoming a snowflake and sobbing like a little girl. We're glad to have you. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time for some real, raw honesty on the One Man Empire Show with Charlie Hutton.